because they're desperate for that most recent idea that can help them fill in the white spaces in their business plans. Mm -hmm. So social media is not just about uh, a vanity press or something like that. It's also about allowing ideas to be discovered as efficiently as possible. You know, with all of this information that we now have at at our fingertips, uh, we're starting to see a lot of movement in the semantic web. Uh, Recently, uh, Microsoft acquired PowerSet and they launched Bing.com. What do you see as the next steps to help the end user to filter through this sea of information. I think one of the, uh, to explain what the semantic web is just very briefly to our listeners, uh, when you go out on the web and you type in words, um, a search engine is going to go out there and try to make sense of various web pages. Uh, The question is, how can that information be organized and clustered in ways, in patterns that are meaningful to people? And the semantic web is uh, a way of saying that We need to be able to organize web content in patterns that are meaningful to people at a level of organization that will help people actually solve problems. And some of that organization is through technology that derives its organization from unstructured web pages and other types of information. But it's also adding information to those web pages consciously either uh, an individual publisher or people who are looking at the information and tag it with their own organization Mm -hmm. there. And what this allows um, the the web to become is a much more organized and effective resource. Instead of people uh, looking, guessing as to whether information is really one particular type or another, they have a lot more confidence that it really belongs there, a lot more the way that if one goes to a bookshelf in a library, they have a confidence that that little section of the of the bookshelf is mm-hmm. all the right. good stuff. Right. So if I think what uh, products such as yours, uh, mm-hmm. you're doing with Colexis do to be able to organize information in a semantic manner, uh, this allows people to have confidence that there's good stuff out there. And uh, not only just good stuff, but focused information that can help people understand not only what's good information, mm-hmm. but who are the people producing it. Right. Uh, That's one of the hardest things for people Mm. to do today in business uh, since we do have this open structure where we need to be able to get ideas from other people's organizations. It's not, it's, as they say, it's not what you know, but who you know. Right. And the semantic web allows us not only, it allows us to know, mm-hmm. and it also allows us to know people. Right. So, right. you know, the combination of those on, you know, through the web is very powerful. Now, John, I'm a local businessman here in South Orange. I'm listening to this program, and I'm thinking, what are these guys talking about? Why is this important to me as a small businessman? Mm-hmm. If as a leader of their small business, what do you think they need to do to take part of this new technology, and how can they help this new technology help their business to grow? I think one of the most exciting things about the web is that it does empower small businesses, the ones that are willing to take the leap and to try to leverage it. There's almost no money required to get out there and to be a publisher on the web these days. You can blog for nothing. You can have a pretty darn good website for nothing or next to nothing. You can have shopping for next to nothing. You can do eBay for nothing. You can do so many good things out there using today's publishing tools to be able to have a presence on the web and to have influence in your community. And uh, to be, uh, one of my simplest and, and most favorite examples 
is a, a little store up in Robinston, Maine. Mm-hmm. It's out there near, you look across the bay, you're looking into Canada. Oh, wow. And so if you're talking <laughs> about a small community yes. and small businesses, yes. this is it. Uh-huh. And there was a gal there who uh, was selling chocolates at a roadside stand. Mm-hmm. She you know, was not doing too well. She was actually on food stamps most oh, of wow. the season and what have mm-hmm. you. She started selling her chocolates on the web. Wow. And she has built a very successful business. Uh, it's, a, it's like a niche mm-hmm. gourmet sort of thing oh, that wow. people around the world can appreciate, mm-hmm. at least you know, during the season that she can ship that sort of merchandise through, sure. through the war, you know, cool weather. Yes, so yes. all of a sudden, you know, local merchants can not only reach out to their local community, right. but they can become right. global right. presences in the marketplace. You know, it's, it's the web allows you to have an international presence with a local touch. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So a, a, someone who uh, is, a, is a small business person, they don't have a website, mm-hmm. uh, what, do, what is the first thing that they need to do to get started? Because as they're looking to lead their, their small business into the next level, mm-hmm. what, 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 what advice would you give them? Well, start simple. Mm-hmm. Start simple. That is, um, and and get educated as mm-hmm. well. There are a, a lot of websites that you can go out there and can give you a storefront in almost no time flat. And it doesn't hurt to experiment a little bit and to begin to understand, oh, this is what it really means to put information out there. Right. Um, so, you know, get wet, get messy. Mm-hmm. Get a feel for it, then get educated. Right. Um, read Content Nation, of course. But, you know, there, there are lots of uh, courses in local universities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. community colleges that can help people understand uh, how to do web marketing. There's lots of good books uh, as well uh, that can help you understand, well, how do I put information out there? And once you're getting a little bit more confidence in, in what you're doing, do it all again. Right and begin to uh, get more sophisticated and especially get more sophisticated in measurement and understanding mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's easy through tools today, um, such as Google Analytics, to be able to understand who's coming to your website. Right, right. Capture email addresses. Mm-hmm. Who's, you know, gee, you, know, you, can, you can build a beautiful marketing campaign just by putting content out there that uh, people find attractive and say, gee, I'd like to hear more. And part of that can be blogging. Mm-hmm. Part of it can be having a presence in a community such as Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, go with what you feel comfortable with at first. Mm-hmm. Because you know, there are a lot of people that feel a little bit shy about Content Nation. They're not sure of their citizenship as, at first, you might say. Right, right. So don't worry about being just off the boat. You'll feel comfy real soon. Right, right. You know, it's interesting. My wife is uh, considering starting her own business. And um, now she's starting to get acquainted with Twitter and uh, Facebook and, and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And um, she has watched how I have used it. And I use it primarily for, for business and industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it to be such an effective tool to, to build and promote your brand. From your point of view, what companies uh, in the SDM industry have embraced uh, the new social media? And or are starting to do some of the exciting things. Well, just to explain for our guests, STM means scientific, technical, and medical uh, information and services. Thank you, John. <laughs> um, so uh, this there, there's a lot of money in industry being thrown 
into information that can mm-hmm. help people succeed in business. Right. And STM, the scientific, technical, and medical community, is, is one of the places where a lot of information is out there. A lot of that information is pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have traditional journals, um, very niche publications, you know, the Journal of Left-Handed Astrophysics, you know, all mm-hmm. sorts of funny little niches. But... Um, and, and that's all very valuable information in and of itself. But as I, as I mentioned before, the real problem that folks in the scientific and, and technical medical communities are trying to figure out, where is the next moneymaker coming from? Mm-hmm. And with a focus on shorter life cycles for products in the STM community, people are out there trying to understand where is the talent? Where is the expertise? Where are the ideas? Right. So right. They, people in the STM community need to be able to have contact with these people, to understand their ideas, to be able to filter them, to have conversations with them. Now, of course, you know, a lot of what happens uh, is people go to conferences. People listen to people deliver papers. Mm-hmm. You know, certain mm-hmm. things really haven't changed. But how do you how do you how do you get ahead of that loop? How do you maintain the relationships that mm-hmm. you build at events like that, mm-hmm. so you can be in constant contact right. with people? And this is where social media has proven to be very valuable to allow people to maintain their day to day networks and uh, to create what you might call a, a worldwide water cooler, mm-hmm. where all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're able to go to a social media site or a social media tool or use a search engine that has semantic capabilities and effectively engage people to basically mm-hmm. say, what's up? You know, and we think about the current debate with healthcare. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, uh, we all want folks to find cures for the diseases that plague our families. Yeah. And when you look at the positive effects that social media can have on researchers and scientists collaborating together, mm-hmm. um, you, you might have someone on the other side of the world who can have that missing piece of that research that will help this scientist over here in the United States complete their research successfully and find that new blockbuster drug or, or therapeutic uh, clinical trial that will help us get to these answers. How do you see Content Nation helping there? It, it creates, um, social media allows people to create intimacy and influence. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think of what people do on Facebook or through Twitter or any number of social media tools or even a blog where people Mm -hmm. are able to comment. People have a global audience and they attract an audience Mm -hmm. globally. Uh, I'm amazed at uh, all the email addresses uh, and uh, Twitter Twitter accounts that link to me and um, when I look at my website statistics and I look at them splayed out across a map of the globe, Mm -hmm. it kind of represents pretty much where all the internet is connected. Everybody is listening to me, not because I'm worldwide famous Mm -hmm. in a traditional scale, Mm -hmm. but because the web helps us to be able to narrow down focused interests no matter where we are geographically. And we discover like interests so much more effectively and there's something about the openness and flatness of social media that people begin to trust and all of a sudden they're willing to reach out to you through a tool like LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter mm-hmm. and establish some sort of bond, right. some sort of trust factor there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a saying that I, I learned when I was on working on Wall Street for a company called Reuters that did things like tickers and mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, when people do business, there's kind of a formula. I trust, therefore I execute. Right. 
And right. social media helps people build those bonds of trust. When mm-hmm. people see what you're publishing, they get a sense of what you're about, mm-hmm. what your ideas are about, right. and you're that much closer to executing right. a business deal or a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you should mention that um, in regards to the intimacy. If you're a, a CEO of a very large company, um, typically the only time that folks get to hear from you is the, is the, or the memos that maybe they're not particularly uh, too fond of, but through uh, LinkedIn and and through uh, Twitter, you're able to establish uh, a different type of relationship with your fellow employees. Oh, and with your markets as well. Mm-hmm. And that poses both opportunities <clears throat> and challenges, especially for c- public companies. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so uh, business leaders are becoming more comfortable with the mm-hmm. idea of communicating through social media. Uh, certainly people in the technology industry have been doing it for quite some time. Right. But even in mainstream industries, such as in automotive, mm-hmm. where um, recently retiring um, GM executive Bob Lutz, mm-hmm. uh, who's very much a car guy, you might say. Yes. He was one of the most popular bloggers out there in the car industry. Mm-hmm. So here's one of the top people in General Motors going out there and saying how jazzed he is about mm-hmm. GM products. And people liked it because he, they knew that it was sincere. And then they right. knew that even though he was a company man, mm-hmm. he was into the same things mm-hmm. that they were for the same reason. And that mm-hmm. established a bond. I'm also reminded of an example that I have in, in the book where there's a CEO of a small company that mm-hmm. was providing information services uh, to, to businesses um, and especially businesses on Wall Street. Right. And they had a, a great product. A company is called First Ring. And um, they were having a hard time cracking some of these major accounts, though, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. investment banks and what have you, those are Absolutely. big companies. Yes. How does a winky little company get in there? Well, it happens that their CEO was a pretty good blogger, and she would okay. go out there and share ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, she related to me once how she uh, was doing this, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden one day the CEO of one of these major banks picks up the phone and calls her and says, I get it now. Let's talk. Wow. And wow. that's what can happen yes. on the outside of business. When you know how mm-hmm. to blog and do it effectively, mm-hmm. all of a sudden those, that barrier of intimacy can be broken. People trust. People get it, as right. you know, people right. say oftentimes these days, and they right. execute. On the inside, it's important as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're mm-hmm. used to the old top-down uh, memo concept. It kind of goes back to the old days when we had paper and we had the inter-office envelope. That's right. And Bob would give it to Betty and eventually information would trickle down. Right. Uh, Now, uh, with the web, information distribution in organizations is much flatter than Mm -hmm. the organizations themselves oftentimes. Right. So business leaders within their own organizations Mm -hmm. have to be willing to be able to be conversational Mm -hmm. with their fellow employees in a way that maybe they haven't been so much in the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, speaking about Twitter and in regards to publicly held companies, um, there's some challenges. There's opportunities, but there's some challenges and and some items that folks need to uh, be very, very mindful of. Uh, what are some of the things that uh, you see uh, that they need to be careful of when they're utilizing Twitter yeah, as I, a publicly held company? I think that uh, there need, if you're a publicly held company or even just a day-to-day company, mm-hmm. um, social media presents policy challenges. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for a public company, anything that an employee says via social media potentially could be construed as mm-hmm. public disclosure. Mm-hmm. And that would fall under S8's 
um, SEC regulations and, and, and what have you. Um, so it's important for people who are employees in organizations to remember that social media is publishing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that publishing has consequences. Yes. We've seen a lot of interesting consequences through social media lately. We've seen lawsuits where mm-hmm. people have gone out there, they've said things that were pretty unkind to uh, public people, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they've been slapped with slander suits. That's right. Um, because all of a sudden, well, you think that you think you can do that. Well, guess what? That means that you're a publisher trying right. to influence the world, and the courts have things to say about publishers that influence people unkindly. Yes. So, you know, th- th- there's that angle to it as well. And one angle in the book that's also kind of uh, hard, I think, times for young people to understand, mm-hmm. young people coming up through the college system and what have you, may have been used to posting those nifty pictures of partying and what right, have you. Right. And then all of a sudden, the business world's a different place. Uh, I was just speaking to my wife, who's uh, rather middle-aged, such as myself, and she's saying, John, all, <clears throat> all these people are asking me about you know, my, my Facebook page. In other words, people in human resources are looking at social media to understand what people are about. And I relay in the book uh, mm-hmm. about a young man who's, who told his boss, well, you know, I think I'm going to be out sick tomorrow. And his boss is no fool. He checked his Facebook page and saw the Halloween costume party that he went to (laughs) and posted a comment on his Facebook page and said, hope to see you in the office tomorrow. By the way, nice costume. (laughs) So when you're a publisher, you're a publisher uh, that everybody, including your employers, are aware of. I've also heard stories of uh, competitors looking at the uh, tweets of their competitors' employees. And sometimes they've found some jewels of information about product releases or about issues with their products that they have actually used against them. Social media is business intelligence. And uh, everybody, everybody, when I say, one of the things that I say very early on in the book, I can't emphasize enough. You are a publisher. Just about, we, there are more than 1.4 billion people on the web today. And if you've written an email and sent it to a number of people, if you've made a comment on a website, you are a publisher. Mm-hmm. And that has power and responsibility. Yes. And, yes. But, that's, but that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing, but it's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, people, I do believe, as I'm emphasizing in the book, are just really beginning to understand what it means to be a publisher. That mm-hmm. there's an awareness that they're beginning to, to, to come into. They're stepping over a line, and many people are beginning to get the idea that they are part of this new way of living called mm-hmm. Content Nation that says, yes. I have power, I have responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I also have a lot of fun in the process of doing it and communicating with people. Mm-hmm. So you know, be it you know, competitive intelligence or anything like that, people like being mm-hmm. publishers. People love breaking mm-hmm. news. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're sitting around the, the water cooler at, at work and everybody's yes. chit-chatting about yes. this person and that and oh, whatever yes. event uh-huh. and what have you. Everybody's got an opinion, don't they? Mm-hmm. But um, yes. we have to be responsible for our opinions, too. Absolutely. And I think, I have a 12-year-old daughter, uh, Bailey, and um, 
we uh, allow her to use the different social media tools. And mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, my wife and I are pretty uh, proactive in that sense because we really want her to stumble so that we can correct those stumbles early and so that she can learn how to use it in a responsible manner. And I have to say that uh, we've had a couple of situations where we've had to make some corrections, but I've seen her grow and mature and use this, uh, the different services. I think so, and I think there's a natural progression that follows the maturation process for young people. Uh, they start out basically with their telephones. They're texting yes, individuals yes. kind of on a one-to-one basis. Then they might get into something like MySpace or mm-hmm. Facebook and share mm-hmm. photos and little mm-hmm. comments. Yes, yes. And uh, the most recent research, actually, that just came out a day or two ago, is showing that there is a natural progression from those things into tools such as Twitter. Uh-huh. That as mm-hmm. the youngsters begin to mature, they begin to recognize they do have this, uh, as an adult, you have a more public voice mm-hmm. that um, you're willing to project to the world. And they begin to think of themselves not just publishing to friends and, and family members, but begin to realize, gee, you know, I've, I'm a little bit older now. I have something to say to the world. Yes, yes. And uh, the more mature young people, I think, are, are using social media to do that very effectively. John, as we saw in the last election with the election of Barack Obama, he built on the lessons of Howard Dean to use the Internet to uh, help with the campaign fundraising. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can see that Barack took it to the next level in regards to how they were going to not only raise money, but also communicate as well. And uh, I detail a lot of the history and and the the best practices of that in, in the book. Um, Howard mm-hmm. Dean in the 2004 election was the first one to really understand on scale how to get donations mm-hmm. from individuals on the web mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, donations from large organizations. And that, uh, that combined with using Internet marketing techniques that reached out to people mm-hmm. by email lists and other one-to-one sort of communication, tailored mm-hmm. communications all of a sudden began to build enthusiasm. Right. They, he also understood that uh, there were these things called bloggers yep. out there that mm-hmm. had pretty frank and sometimes pretty harsh opinions of things mm-hmm. um, that people were listening to. Right. They were, they were uh, clicking over to those websites mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, trying to, to understand you know, what was happening. So you know, what we saw in 2008 was kind of the culmination of that, that a well-honed machine... They got hundreds of millions of dollars from people who were motivated on the web, who knew how to communicate through social media, who knew how to use social media to organize people at the grassroots level, not in an astroturf way, right. but from a right. from the heart sort of way. Right. And out of that, we have a new generation of leadership for this nation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John, I want to... Um the subtitle of your book is Surviving and Thriving as Social Media Changes Our Work, Our Lives, and Our Future. Based on your title, if a leader of an organization does not embrace the leadership in regards to social media, are they putting their business on a slippery slope? In the long run, I think most definitely, and even in the short run, because social media is enabling productivity in the marketplace and in major institutions uh, so rapidly that uh, any business or organization that's not seriously looking at how they can leverage these tools effectively is going to fall behind the productivity curve very rapidly. And uh, we we can see this happening across the world uh, where organizations such as Procter & Gamble, for example, 
are using tools to, to develop communities where they can interact with their customers. And the customers come in there and uh, tell people about their products, and uh, they have very frank conversations, the sorts of things that organizations used to pay hundreds of millions of dollars for over the course of years and spend months and years collecting this information try to try to understand their markets. All of a sudden, the markets are coming to these organizations and telling them what they want. Uh, an example of this also is a Dell Computer Corporation. Mm-hmm. They put together a portal called IdeaStorm. Okay. And IdeaStorm um, used social media tools to be able to collect ideas. Mm-hmm. What would people like different about the products? Right. So they uh, attracted people who were enthusiastic about computers and especially mm-hmm. Dell products. Mm-hmm. And within a matter of a few weeks, they got 20,000 suggestions wow. as to what could be better about mm-hmm. Dell products. And these things were ranked. And for quite some period of time, and even today, every week they find good ideas out of that IdeaStorm community that get implemented directly into the products that Dell is building. So if markets, if markets are conversations, being able to understand um, marketing in, in my simple definition that got from my professors is find a need and fill it. Yes, you, yes. The thing that can li- help you listen mm-hmm. to needs most effectively is going to help you get the best things to market most effectively. Wow. And social media is an extremely powerful tool to do that. Let's talk about the seven secrets of social media. In your book, you, you talk about that. And I'd like for you to share with us your thoughts about the seven secrets and why are they so key to the success of a business? Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the seven secrets of social media, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful hook. I think if somebody looks through the index and they say, ah, seven secrets, seven, that's a great number. Right. I, can, I can do that. I'm the youngest of seven, so I agree with right. you. <laughs> so, um, in fact, there are a lot of secrets to social media, but I think uh, if you think of uh, you know, what social media can do, there are a few key things that uh, you can bear in mind about social media. Number one, it's really about the ability of people to scale their influence effectively. Uh, The scalability of social media is key. You can start out little on a global network and have Mm -hmm. a small audience, but you're still on a global network. And most of everything that you're doing in social media is riding on infrastructure Mm -hmm. that is vastly powerful. Mm -hmm. It's not like you have to go out and buy a dinky PC and then things get good and you have to buy a bigger PC. It's all out there. And as your efforts scale, Mm -hmm. so does the infrastructure. And so does the ne- you mm-hmm. know the network, all the servers mm-hmm. and everything. Yes. So you know everybody you know ev- anybody can scale to be an influential mm-hmm. global uh, publisher almost overnight. Mm-hmm. I think we saw that to some degree in the situation with the Iran elections recently. Yes. Where yes. all of a sudden yes. uh, there was a uh, unexpected political mm-hmm. situation, and thousands of people in that cu- country. We're trying to discover ways to get their message out to the world. Yes. And all of a sudden, just everyday people in the street right. in an oppressed nation right. had global influence. Yes. And it scaled instantly. Yes. Yes. That was a wonderful example. Um, and another key thing there is that technology matters in social media, but it's really not so much that as understanding what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. want to influence others and be influenced by them. Right. The technology is the right. pipe. 
but it's the influence that the right. key that is key and the desire to it and the be ability to be able to act on it and to recognize that it's not just a handful well, of people that are involved in this influencing thing. You know, to your earlier statement, find a need and fill it. Exactly. Yes. And, yes. and to find uh, a desire to people who want to influence markets and mm-hmm. tap into them. One of the challenges and opportunities in social media for organizations is to understand who's influencing their turf. Right. And right. that's true in politics. It's true in business. It's true in any number of, of circles. Mm-hmm. So you need to be <coughs> understanding out there who's influencing you and their tools, some of them semantic tools, yes. that will help people analyze social media and say, aha, it's that blogger, right. it's that Twitterer that you need to get in touch with because right. otherwise your markets are going to be in trouble. Wow. Well, John, I would highly encourage folks to uh, read Content Nation. I think it contains a wealth of information, and I understand that uh, you're speaking all over the world. And uh, I think next week you're speaking at the Alps Conference. Yes, I'll be uh, uh, speaking for the Association of Learned and Scholarly uh, Publishers. And um, that's going to be in Oxford in uh, the U.K. in England. I'll be speaking in Washington, D.C. the week after that. I'll be at uh, Gijon, Spain, Mm -hmm. speaking at an international youth conference. Mm -hmm. And the week after that, I'm going to be uh, delivering an MIT uh, Master Class Series webinar for uh, the Sloan School of Business Management. Wow, fantastic, fantastic. Well, John, I want to thank you for your time today. And you'll come back next week to share with us more about Content Nation. You bet. We are here with author... John Blossom of Content Nation, published by Wiley. He is also president of Shore Communications and is very active in the Software Information Industry Association as well. John, thank you. It's been my privilege. Thank you.